Father, as we come to your word, I just thank you that you speak to us in so many different ways. But one of them is through us studying your word, looking at your word, and then bring it to you and to our people and speaking from what you've laid on our hearts, Lord. And I just thank you for that privilege of being able to speak from what you've put on my heart for us today. Thank you, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, and just speak to each one of us. As I speak, you will take the words that they need to hear, each person needs to hear, and speak it into their hearts that they can hear from you. Let me be that instrument in your hand this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have just celebrated the dedication of young Isaac this morning. And if you're a visitor here today, or a new believer, or a long-time believer that has never experienced this before, this might raise some questions. Especially if you come from a more traditional church background where the practice is to have a christening or a infant baptism ceremony where the parents and godparents make promises to raise the child in the Christian faith and water is sprinkled on the baby's head. Now I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of the different practices by the different church denominations when it comes to a christening or infant baptism ceremony. Rather I'm going to briefly share a little bit about my church upbringing and then say why we do dedications why we do dedications, and then finish off briefly looking at baptism. You've seen how we do a a dedication, but do you know why we do dedications and not christenings or infant baptisms? I was brought up in a very traditional church where I was baptized as a baby. I grew up going to church every Sunday with my mom and my older brother, and then with my younger sister when she came along. My dad was not brought up in the same denomination as my mom, so he only came along on high days and holy days um, with us to church. Now, I can't remember exactly how old I was when I started catechism classes in preparation for taking First Holy Communion. I took First Holy Communion when I was about 10 years old, and then a few years later, more catechism classes, and I was confirmed when I was about 13 or 14. And this made me a member of the church. And that meant that when I was old enough, I was entitled to get married in the church. And hopefully, after a long life, I could have my funeral in that church denomination. About three years after my confirmation, my father passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And that caused me to walk away from God and the church. I gave up on God. But but fortunately, God did not give up on me. And Jesus, the great shepherd, came after me and brought me back into the fold and showed me how to have a personal and living relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. I'll say a little bit more about my baptism later. So why do we do dedications? Where does the practice come from? As I said earlier, Our children are a gift from God. He gives them to us to raise up and train up in the ways of the Lord, and it's only fitting that we dedicate them to the Lord and promise to teach them and train them in the ways of the Lord 
as they are growing up. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. We ought to teach and train our children in the ways of God at every opportunity. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So if we are going to raise our children and teach them and train them in the ways of the Lord, dedicating them to the Lord is the best way to, to give them the best start to their life. God gives them to us, and we dedicate them to Him. In my opinion, the best example in the Old Testament is found in 1 Samuel 1, where we read the account of Hannah, who is barren, and goes to the temple every year with her husband and his other wife, who has children, to worship God and offered sacrifices to God as required by the law. This one year, she's at the temple, and she's sorrowful, and prayerfully comes before God asking for a son, praying that if he gives her a son, she promises to dedicate the child to the Lord all the days of his life. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 10 onwards. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. God hears her prayer. We know what that's like, isn't it, Oliver and Sarah, when God hears our prayers, and he answers them. And she fell pregnant. Now, she doesn't return to the temple until the child is weaned. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 24 onwards says, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. With this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. She left him at the temple in the care of Eli. Samuel was dedicated to the Lord and spent the rest of his life serving in the temple, eventually becoming the priest of the temple as well as a prophet to the nation of Israel. Now, we're not expecting in a couple of years for Oliver and Sarah to leave Isaac behind here one Sunday um, for, for him to come and serve alongside Jill and I um, for the rest of his life. But we do expect that he will be serving the Lord from a young age for the rest of his life. You're welcome to drop him off for babysitting and things like that. We would love that, no problem, but I know we'll be fighting with some grandparents that live close by, you know, and um, we know what that's like, so, Yeah. Now, I've heard some people reference Abraham preparing to sacrifice Isaac on the mountain 
as an example of child dedication. But I believe that's more about Abraham's obedience to God than infant dedication, as Isaac wasn't an infant. He was a young, a young, young lad at that time. But the scripture that speaks to me the clearest on infant dedication is found in the Gospel of Luke. And it's only found in Luke's Gospel. None of the other synoptic Gospels include it. So Luke chapter 2, verse 21 onwards says this, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So Isaac, you are holy to the Lord. Do you know that? Hmm? And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, and so that thoughts from many hearts may be re revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The law of Moses stated that a mother was unclean for 33 days after giving birth to a boy. It was 66 days if it was a girl. I don't know why there was this differentiation, but that was the law. Only then could she go up to the temple to present her firstborn male child. So Jesus, as a five-week-old infant, was brought to the temple to be presented to God as Mary's firstborn male child. Here, they encounter two people. Simeon, who the Holy Spirit had given revelation that he would see the Lord's Christ before he died. Isn't that an amazing promise to be given? That you would see the Lord's Christ before you die. And Anna, a prophetess, was there as well. Simeon prophesies over Jesus and Mary, and Anna speaks words of revelation of Jesus to those who are in the temple. Jesus was brought before God and presented to God in the temple 
and prophetic words were spoken over him and his mother, much like what has happened this morning. This is why we did what we did, bringing in for words to be spoken over Isaac and Oliver and Sarah. We are following this example of bringing the child to be presented to God along with the parents and asking God to speak over and into the lives of the child and the parents. This is why we ask the people of Grace Vineyard to wait on the Lord before this dedication and ask the Lord for words, pictures, scriptures, and anything else that he had for Isaac and for Oliver and Sarah. Now last week I shared that when we lived in Malawi, um, Jill was in a coma for five days from malaria. And it was a word that was spoken at our son's dedication 14 years earlier of Jill being at his 21st that I held on to and could say with confidence that she was getting better when others weren't so sure of her recovery. It was a word that God gave us at Stephen's dedication that I held on to that said Jill would speak at Stephen's 21st, which she did when we came here for Stephen's 21st. He was living in the UK when he turned 21. And Jill spoke at his dedication. Jill was in a coma for five days um, from malaria. And uh, many people thought she was going to die. I mean, the head teacher came along to say goodbye to us. He was coming over to the UK to come and recruit teachers for the next year. And he went to the hospital to say goodbye to Jill. But she recovered and she's still here. And uh, it's wonderful. But there was a word from a dedication. That's why we do these dedications, and why these words are so important. Because there are things that we can hold on to, because there are words from God for us and for our children. It's why we do that. And this is why we do infant dedications and not infant baptisms. Earlier I said I was baptized as a baby. But after I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and committed my life to Him, when I was 19 years old, I realized that what had been done to me as a baby was not my decision. And I needed to be baptized properly, according to Scripture. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples, and they spilled out onto the streets of Jerusalem, and people thought they were drunk, because the Holy Spirit was upon them, and they were speaking in various languages that weren't their mother tongues. The crowd gathered, a crowd gathered around, and Peter stood up, and he spoke to the crowd, and he preaches the first sermon of the church era then, and explains what is happening, and the church was birthed on that day. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 36 onwards says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made, both, has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, 
and they were added that, and there were added that day about 3000 souls verse 38 is the key verse here repentance comes before baptism therefore as an infant i could not repent of my sin so i could not be baptized many people have been brought up in a traditional church where they were baptized or christened as a child where water was sprinkled over their heads then later in life have an encounter with God and come to a faith in Jesus Christ, sometimes struggle with having, having to be baptized. They think that they are being baptized again, just like they were born again, but it's not the same thing. Now, I'm not putting down those denominations that do these christenings or infant baptisms. I just don't find a precedent for it anywhere in Scripture, whereas I do for infant dedication and believers' baptism. Being baptized after repenting of your sin and receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior is what we see in Scripture. Now, if you were christened as a child and have subsequently become a born-again believer, as Jesus puts it in John 3.3, then I want to encourage you to be baptized because it's following Scripture. It's what God says for us to do. I said at the beginning, I would say something about my baptism. As I said earlier, I became a believer at 19 years of age, six weeks before having to go off to do my compulsory military service. In South Africa, as young lads, during the apartheid era, we all, white males, all had to do compulsory military service. And six weeks before I had to go off, I had an encounter with God where God got hold of me and changed my life, turned my life around and revealed to me who he was and who he is and how my life was precious to him. And I became a believer of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. And as I was being discipled, one of the members of our church, I found out that I needed to be baptized in water. As I only had a few weeks before going off to the army, I wanted to get it done as soon as possible. It was June, which in South Africa is winter time, and the church did not have a baptismal pool or access to one. Living in a seaside village, the most obvious place to do it was in the sea. And that's where I was baptized, was in the sea off the coast where we, I grew up, where our church was. Fortunately, the Indian Ocean is not too cold in winter, unlike the coast of England. It is, if it gets below 19 degrees, then the water's freezing on the Indian Ocean. And it was about that temperature when I was baptized. But I was baptized in the sea but two of the members of the church, one of them being a guy who had been a year behind me at school. And there were young, young guys in our church that came and took me out into the waters um, where it was deep enough for me to go right under and then be lifted up again. And we did that in the sea while the rest of the church stood on the, on, uh, on the beach. The pastor was there and others in the church were there. And we had baptismal ch uh, service there, which was wonderful wasn't a whole long thing, big thing. It was just I was wanting to be baptized and wanted to get it done before I went off to the army. And so we did it on the beach, and it was wonderful. I'll always remember it. Um, and I'm still in touch with one of the guys who was, who was there who baptized me. It's just a wonderful experience to have. So they stood on the, on the beach. Three of us were out in the water. They asked me a question about having surrendered my life to Jesus and then they baptized me in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Went down under the water and then came back up. Just as Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, he went down under the water 
When he came up, the Holy Spirit came down upon him. And baptism in water, full immersion is what it is. Um, the Greek word baptizio, where we get our, our English word baptize or baptism from, means to fully immerse. It's what you do with your dishes. You, when you wash your dishes, for those who don't have dishwashers, you fully immerse your dishes in the sink. Or if you get into a bath, you go right into the water. You don't just sprinkle yourself. You go right under. That's what baptizio means. And that's why we do full immersion baptisms. It's what we see in Scripture. So if you are a believer and you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to get baptized. To say, because this is what Scripture says. It's being obedient to Scripture. And there's a whole lot to baptism that I could say of how it represents us dying to ourselves and being raised again to new life, of having our sins washed away, coming up cleansed. You know, that is what baptism symbolizes. There's so much in it that could be said, but there's not time for it now. So let's pray. But if you do want to be baptized, speak to Jaloa or one of the members of our church and say, yes, we want to do it, and we'll make a plan to get it done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us clearly in your word. Father, just bless us now as we take what you've spoken to us and work it through in our lives, Lord God. And if there's things that we need to correct in our lives to be in line with your word, that you would help us to do that. That you would lead us and guide us protect us and bless us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.